0: Did I say your name right? That's right, Carrie. Yes, uh, my guest yesterday had a name that was kind of hard to pronounce. <laughs> did, did you see her? The the
1: uh, I watched it yet? No.
0: Yeah, she was a um, Pentecostal preacher mm-hmm. and le- of Lebanese descent,
1: uh-huh.
0: living in Maine. She became Catholic. She got wow. kids and has a blog. So. I had her on yesterday because she sent me a a little message on on uh, Instagram with a mm-hmm. YouTube testimony. So I I didn't watch it because I don't like I like to find out about people in real time.
1: Yeah,
0: so yeah. Found Great. You, you found me. So right. tell by yourself.
1: Well, um, I was born and raised in Iowa, in a Calvinist family, Reformed and um then i married my husband and i became catholic but i don't really think that was my conversion i feel like my conversion has been throughout my whole life it's just been a journey you know that's the spiritual journey and i have some significant times where i really felt like god was speaking to me and telling me to uh grow closer to him um so, kind of that's where I'm at now. Uh, I'm living in Arizona. I lived in Georgia for a while, as I told you. Yeah. And yeah, but I'm in Arizona now. I've lived here majority of my life.
0: Really? In Arizona?
1: Yeah. Well, we moved from Iowa in 1988.
0: That's quite a difference from Iowa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And our children were uh, one and five. And then uh, we lived here. And then 2011, we moved to Georgia. Uh, and then I moved back in 2020.
0: What part of Georgia were you in?
1: We were in Lagrange, Southwest. It's almost Alabama.
0: They had a tornado this week this weekend.
1: Yes, I know. Oh yeah, most of my friends are good. They were in town, but out towards we were out towards the lake down there, mm. and there was quite a bit of damage over there.
0: Mm, that's bad. So, do, I, the last time I was in Arizona, I was in Casa Grande.
1: Yep.
0: Do you know where that is?
1: Yeah, I live in the south part of uh, uh, south of Phoenix, south of Chandler, and um, Casa Grande is kind of just down the road between yeah. here and John. Yeah.
0: I was amazed when I got, when I flew into Phoenix, um, was it Sky Harbor Airport? Uh, where uh-huh. the UFOs were?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You remember that? The UFOs? I
1: do. Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember driving to Castle Grande And being absolutely amazed at how tall those cactuses are.
1: Yeah, yeah. They don't
0: look big on TV in the movies, cowboy movies.
1: I know. And it's so much. When I moved to Georgia and I would come back to Arizona, I would be like, it's so barren. They cut down trees, or there's so much open space with, you know, just shrubs and things that it's just different. But it's beautiful in its own way.
0: Is your, uh, air-conditioning unit on your roof no mine is not actually
1: yeah but our house we lived in when we first moved here it was on the roof
0: yeah something i noticed the air conditioning and then the guy that i stayed with he invited actually i got sent out there but the guy i stayed with his house was like the last house in casa grande Uh uh-huh facing tucson okay when you walked out his front porch, there's nothing from his house to, to some mountains way out in the distance. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever seen snakes out here? Of course. I saw more snakes in Georgia
1: than
0: yeah. I do in Arizona. <laughs> I that. He said he's seen one little bitty snake, a white <laughs> snake, on his front porch years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: How can that be? But you're right, Georgia and Alabama are in festered with snakes
1: yeah yeah we were on the water so we just had a lot of snakes over there
0: yeah. i did
1: like them don't like them at all
0: <laughs> so your your uh husband was catholic that yeah, you were grown up uh, reformed. yeah I,
1: yeah I, it was reformed calvinist yeah my husband was catholic so uh, we got married i stayed uh, reformed and he was catholic but shortly into our marriage about maybe six months I realized neither one of us is really practicing any faith mm-hmm. and so I said, um, you know, I, I want us to raise our family in the church. We, I was raised in the church and Christian school and it was, our life was really about church and, in and, and the church community mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So I said, you know, let's, let's join the same religion. He said, well, I'm, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to leave the Catholic church. Not that he was, um, you know, he was, Cradle Catholic, and that's all he knew, and that's all he wanted. Not, mm-hmm. you know, he was real strong in his faith or anything like that, but he knew he wasn't changing. And so I said, Well, okay, I don't really care. I knew nothing. And so I joined the church, and um, mm-hmm. there was no RCIA. So yeah. I just met the priest a couple of times. And um, one thing that did happen, he said to me, Were you baptized? And I said, Yeah, I was baptized as an infant. And he said, do you believe that baptism was for the uh, removing original sin? And I said, I've never heard of that expression. So I doubt it. Mm -hmm. So he rebaptized me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I had my first communion. And at that point, my husband had just graduated from college and we moved out of town and he called up and he said, Hey, we're having confirmation. Do you want to come be confirmed? I'm like, Oh, is that what you do? Sure. So I was not trained in anything. I got married in my husband's church as a Protestant. We had a Catholic marriage. I had my first communion, my uh, confirmation, but no real Catholic education at that point. I was just doing it because I wanted to have family, go to church together. I want to raise my kids in the faith, in the faith together and I still had a lot of questions. Like I wasn't so sure about the birth control, uh, confession, Mary, all those big things Protestants are wondering about. Uh, but I started practicing.
0: Mm-hmm. Who so are... we... Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: We, we baptized our children and, and had them, you know, but they were five and, and one. We moved to Arizona and that was really kind of the start of us getting more active in the church.
0: Did you, how did you uh, find the answers to your questions that you were uncomfortable with?
1: So once we got to Arizona and um, we we eventually uh, bought a home and joined a church because You know, at that time, we went to the closest church, you know, the whatever. In Arizona, people just go to whichever one they're drawn to. Sometimes that means people follow a priest around. But anyway, we started going to a a neighborhood church after we bought our house. And it was a very active church. They had a lot of uh, great preaching, a lot of great teaching, a lot of great music. Um, And, you know, Scott Hahn came there. And with his talk, being a former Protestant, converted me
0: some
1: who's Scott uh, Scott Hahn. do you I'm, know him
0: That was a joke I was asking you I, was like, like, I don't know him Yeah
1: Not and when his wife talked about birth control you know that kind of converted me on that um but I had already in in Iowa back in Iowa I had already had a hysterectomy due to medical reasons but I still had my attitudes about birth control until she spoke about her her conversion mm-hmm. um and then the main one big thing that we did there was we went on a marriage encounter weekend um, and that was a real big conversion for both of us. It really taught us about uh, being an example of Christ to each other and about being um You know, bringing your spouse to heaven, that role of the sacrament of marriage. And then from there, we did the Curcio, which talked about the other sacraments. And so all of those things just kind of were a process. Um, Then we moved to Georgia, you know, uh, when especially living in small town Georgia, we had a small parish there. So we didn't have all of the uh, bells and whistles and, you know, a lot of great opportunities for growth and learning, but just having a small community. Number one, it was it was a blessing to go to church and recognize everyone in the parish, you know, and that's where we built our community. I mean, I had other friends from work that were great too, but that's where I told you that story. I was working at the nursing home in in Georgia and the priest came by to give ashes on Ash Wednesday to a couple of of the patients there. And so I said, well, I'm going to be working. So I'm not going to get to Ash Wednesday services. So I wanted to um, receive ashes and he gave them to me, but just because of the way the South is, you know, uh, it wasn't a patient. It was a visitor, like a probably a 40 or 50 year old man saw my ashes and asked me, is that a tattoo? Uh-huh. No, these are that- Ash Wednesdays. Someone else asked me, what is that? Some kind of Charles Manson thing. Yeah. I'm like, do I look like a Charles Manson person? So anyway, in you Georgia. Know,
0: I, that,
1: yeah, that was in you know, Georgia.
0: In Georgia. That's all I got. Yeah, to say.
1: Exactly. So, but it really, um, you know, despite that, it really uh, brought up the love of attending mass for the, the gift of Jesus. You know, we're not going there for the preaching or the singing or all of that obviously the people were important part of our fam, our faith family, but we were going there and I would say to my husband, you know, we're going, we're going cause we want Jesus. That's why we're Catholic now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, while I was living there, my husband passed away suddenly in an accident. And, uh, that was of course, so life-changing. Cause like I said, we had just really grown in our marriage. Um, our faith was about, Bringing each other to Christ about celebrating together. It wasn't a perfect marriage, but we were very close. But I can look back on how that.
0: I've been married how long? Uh, were
1: we've been married 38 years. Went, 38 years.
0: 38 years. And he passed.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. From, yeah.
1: Yeah. Just had an accident, died suddenly um on the property there. I found him. And, um, Yeah, it was very hard. Um, But I also look at it, so many reasons why I was in LaGrange, you know, the outpouring of that community of love to me, um, just being in a small town and a small parish, everyone just, and my dad came out for the services. And at one point, he said, where is all this food coming from? What is, who's, who's behind this? And I said, you know, people just want to show how much they loved us. And we had only really lived there and been a part of that parish three years, but people just were so overwhelming and generous and loved me. And, um, so, you know, at that time I could see why being in that place at that time when he passed was, was good. Um, there were many, many things. There was someone in the church that helped me go through the whole probate process and um, was much less complicated than it would have been if I had been living out here in Phoenix area. Um, so all of those things were, were good. Um, but I had a real strong um, sense of loss, you know, because of my partner was gone. And I can remember vividly at that point, I was sitting in my chair just saying, God, I... I don't have a best friend anymore. You know, what what am I going to do? And I can remember where I was sitting time of day, what I was wearing. And he, he, Jesus said to me, I'm here and I want to be your best friend. And so I said, okay, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. You know? And so as hard as it was ever since that time, I've really just been seeking to be closer to the Lord.
0: And it was that that he passed
1: what,
0: what year? 2017 2017 2017 okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: pretty
0: recently isn't it yeah yeah uh, so, go ahead. Got saying hey i want to say hey.
1: <laughs> i moved back to arizona then three years later i've just felt like you know we had bought our retirement dream home we were going to be living there and and having our family come visit and we had you know all these hopes and dreams but once he was gone you have to kind of say i guess that dreams no longer alive what what's important and my daughter lives here i have a sister that lives here um of course now my sons in florida with the grandchild but
0: you um, know I, I do
1: that I, I know i have friends here that that, that i've had i've had I've had friends here that I've had for 30 years, you know, and I'm in a small group with them and I, I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be. I've been back to Georgia, visited friends there, but I know I'm where I'm meant to be. Um, another big thing that happened to me was, um, I don't know if you remember, I was still living in Georgia, but there was a priest or a deacon that had done a bunch of baptisms and then they found out they were invalid. I was just thinking so, about that. Yeah. David. So I, I started really thinking about my baptism, you know, my first baptism as an infant. And then the second baptism when I became Catholic. I was wondering and, about that.
0: That sounded look, kind of
1: odd to Yeah, yeah it, it was. So I realized I went back when I was back home and I was at my dad's church one time. They have their hymnal and it's got all their baptismal words in there. So I wanted to see. Was that a valid baptism? And that they do say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So my infant baptism was my first baptism. My, ba- my baptism.
0: Uh, They probably did so, what you thought provisional when you're not sure. Yeah, is a provis- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But so I started feeling like because I was bap- baptized before I received my first communion, I never went to confession. So I never really had gone forward and confessed all those things before that point. So I it started stirring in me when I was in Georgia, what to do about this problem. Because, I mean, I know when you go to confession, you're forgiven from all your sins. But I also feel like once you realize there's things you haven't confessed, you want to go to confession. So my friend here, when I moved here, said her father had done a general confession. Had you ever heard of that?
0: No, ma'am.
1: It's like, it's like a confession of your whole life. And That's so I, I did that.
0: Yeah. That
1: yeah, so that's what I decided I wanted to do because I really didn't feel like all of those things from before I became Catholic had ever been confessed. Right. So I started preparing and I said, God, do I go to my parish priest or I go on Wednesdays and a couple of times throughout the year, throughout the week to a mission church where there's some friars and they're just really amazing young men. And I was saying, God, should I go to my parish priest? Should I go to the friars? And and I said, you know, tell me where to go. And I, and I was at my parish. I was walking up towards my priest to talk to him about it. And he walked away. And I'm like, okay, that's maybe a no. You know, he got, he got involved with someone else. Just, you know. So I went to the mission. It was Wednesday morning. And I usually go for adoration and mass. And the priest is usually sitting in the corner taking confessions and for some reason, I walked in and he was standing there right in front of me. And I said, Okay, God, I guess I'm going to ask him. So I said, um, Father Anthony, uh, I'd want to do a general confession. Can I do that now? Or he goes, No, you'll have to make an appointment. So yeah. I made an appointment. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I had it pretty much, you know. I did my child, my childhood, my teenage years, my young adult years. I went through the whole uh, commandments. I mean, I did a very pretty organized, and um, and so I had it kind of together by the time I met with him. But after I did that, that really also uh, convinced me on the beauty and the gift of confession. You know, it's like I really I. I But prior to that, I really felt like I was still stirring with a lot of stuff. And that was so freeing and such a beautiful thing that, um, you know, that's been kind of like the final step of my journey is just knowing now that that's been amazing. And uh, now now I feel like I'm just in such a place of gratitude for my marriage, how that brought me to the Catholic Church slowly uh, for everything, even the suffering. You know, it just brought me closer to God. And of course, I just want to, you know, do everything I can to see the glorified Jesus in heaven and see my husband and be there. So that's pretty much my story where I'm at now.
0: How long was that confession? 15 minutes? Or
1: five? No, uh, it wasn't. The, he said we were only a lot of an hour. And I said, well, I hope I've got it, you know, because there's no way you can say, well, on this date, I did this you know but I just kind of went okay as a child these are the things as a teenager these are the things as a young adult these are the things and you know we discussed some things and he asked me why I felt like I had to do that so I kind of told him my story about the second baptism and all of that where I had a lot of stuff where I felt I hadn't really come clean with God so
0: Um, I was talking to my guest yesterday and Um, I went to my first confession before um, Mm -hmm. getting, you know how when you're going through RCIA Holy Week, you had to do your first confession, all that stuff. And, uh, well, I couldn't wait. Yeah. I didn't wait. So Holy Week was in April that year. Uh So around Christmas for Advent, which I didn't know what the heck Advent was,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: there's a country road called advent circle near my house uh-huh. every time i heard advent i think of that country <laughs> and uh, i know what that was i never heard of that it. yeah. and it's amazing that i went to seminary i went to a seminary and made uh really good grades
1: mm-hmm.
0: i've studied religion and stuff all, all, you know since i was Teenager, I never heard of this stuff. Right, I After, yep. how do you grow up for fifty years in Christianity and miss out on ninety percent of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. My I, one blessing that I had growing up as a child was uh, my dad read the Bible aloud to us every night. So, you know, the Protestant Bible, not all the books that we have in the Catholic Church, but um, that was really a gift, you know. And I asked him recently, why did you do that? And he said, well, the church said that would be a good idea. So every night after dinner and now that when I read the Old Testament, I'm like, he was reading this aloud to us kids, but I guess he was, you know, and um, so that really gave me a, a gift of uh, knowing a lot about the scriptures, and I went to 12 years of Christian school, so I knew a lot about the scriptures, but that teaching also was at the school was a lot about what's wrong with the other religions, you know, and yeah. Catholicism was right up there, and um, yeah. even now, when I go to my dad's church, you know, they don't have any, uh, even a cross in the church, you know, Calvin was very much about no graven images, you know, And and so I think, my sisters they're still Protestant and, and uh they they accept it and I think my dad knows I'm a Christian, but sometimes my house with you know my crucifix and my Mary statue and my rosaries and can be maybe a little intimidating because that's just so against what they're raised with.
0: what you need to do is get your rosary like this <laughs> here. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: and and give it to your dad. <laughs> On Father's Day. I'm just kidding. Have you ever seen a rosary this big? Yeah, I
1: had a ceramic one we had on the wall for a long time. I got Uh, one too. I still have it over in the closet. I just haven't put it up since I moved. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, this here is a a marriage rosary.
1: Wow.
0: And in Sicily, now I've, I've been told this. I could be so long. <laughs> this was, this is how I was taught. We
1: have a lot of we have a lot of traditions and in, in history on things, you know, that aren't always necessarily proven. So I'll take your word for it.
0: Well you the hus the bride and the groom would wrap up in this rosary. Really? Yeah. Wow. At some point during the yeah. you know yeah, during the ceremony? Wedding ceremony. Yeah. My wife's great-grandmother, my wife's great-grandparents were were from Sicily. Okay. They they sailed over as immigrants.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They had one potato to eat on the whole trip. One potato. Wow. For two weeks. And they got over here, and somehow they wound up down here.
1: Yeah.
0: In Alabama and all. They wound up all. you know, right off the bat, they started going to Catholic church. Well, she lived to be 105. Wow. And her daughter was like 90. Wow. Because she had a daughter when she was 13 or 14. And uh, they were hardcore Catholic back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that uh, whole family, the entire family, all these Italians, Catholic, they all left the church. Mm-hmm. Mostly at one time. And then when she passed, that you know these Protestants, a lot of the ex-Catholics in the family mm-hmm. have animosity towards the church, right? So right. it was to say they probably didn't want yeah all the Catholic stuff left over, you know, when she when she passed on. So I got it. That's got it. great. It. Yeah, they were yeah. just giving me stuff from the family. Yeah. Uh, Marriage records, baptism, rosaries, and yeah. all that. Sometimes they get on here and troll me. You know what trolling is, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, they get right right on here and start hammering on me. Yeah. And, That's you know, okay. That's okay. What you know? Some found out about Catholics that have left the church, ex-Catholics. First of all, ten percent of America is ex-Catholic. Did you know that?
1: Yeah.
0: I've been told that uh, the second biggest church in the world is the ex-Catholic church.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But when
0: you talk to them, when you actually talk to them and find out why they left or or whatever, you'll find out they don't know what the Catholic church teaches. They don't know. And I feel like now, you know, I understand that there's, you know,
1: Protestant Christians. But why have vanilla ice cream when you can have the whole hot fudge Sunday, right? It, we got it all.
0: Why go to the dollar store when you can go to Saks Fifth Avenue?
1: There you go. I
0: was we talking so to her so much. Say her name from yesterday Daja. I have trouble. She's a Lebanese lady. Yeah. And we were just talking about how when you, grow up Protestant, you can get to this point to where there's there, you've done all you can do as far as exploring the tradition yeah. stuff of your Baptist faith. Yeah. Or, because there's not a whole lot of tradition in history at all. I mean, they are there's trad- None. none. Pot, no. Potluck supper, that's a tradition. Yeah. We yeah. night <laughs> prayer meeting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in your church, I went to a Reformed church too, yeah, yeah. And all, uh, you know, just in in the Catholic Church, man, every day is a new, a, a new. It, it's like this, Carrie. I keep having this dream, and I've had this dream about, I don't know, a bunch of times, yeah. And I'll dream. See, I used to own this this older house up on a hill,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. Uh, the, the, it was on some land and I, I lost that house. I, I, I lost that house and got the left foot of fellowship from the church I was with, lost that house. And I still dream about going to that house. But when I go to that house, it's this enormous, huge, ancient mansion with just unexplored rooms and wings and, uh-huh. and gardens. Uh-huh. And and and, it's like, and every time I dream, I find another part of the house that just blows me away. Like last time I dreamed, I found a master bedroom uh-huh. that I didn't know we had. Uh-huh. And it was just like something out of Beverly Hills or, you know, California. Uh-huh. That's what the Catholic faith has been to me. It's every day I find a new hallway. Yeah. Or.
1: Yeah, a new prayer or a new saint or yeah, yeah just a new yeah. right. a new novena or something. Just so, always something new. And do you, even the liturgy, uh, the knowing that the liturgy is consistent and knowing the seasons are coming. And I love the way the church has the all the cycle of the readings planned out. You know, wherever you go to church, you're going to hear the same the same readings, and you're going to have the same message, and you're going to have the same Jesus. It's the same. Yeah. None of the you
0: know, we do this and we do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the all uh, the, the stability mm-hmm. and the oldness and the mm-hmm. sameness of the teaching.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And I just one thing that bothered me about not being Catholic was mm-hmm. wanting to know the truth. Right. And then finding out every two or three years you were in the wrong church. <laughs> You well you just a start a new one, John. Just start a new church. I, did that. I, I, I promise you I did that. Because in the Protestant church, uh-huh. if you find something interesting in the Bible, uh-huh. there you, you go. Own church around it.
1: Yeah.
0: You yeah. know, i met I was talking to the the guy Do y'all have Sonic, you know, Sonic. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to him and I don't know how church come up. I don't know how it came up. But it was Church of Christ. And in his little community, there were two Church of Christ in a little bitty community. And I'm thinking, why do you have two different Church of Christ, two different congregations in this same little bitty town? Mm-hmm. He said, because we got in a big fight over the cup of the Lord. And the Bible says you drink from the cup singular. So, we was drinking, out of you know, sharing the cup. Yeah, you know, like Catholics do. Yeah, you know, they used to gross me out at first, but anyhow. <laughs> um, the other some of the people in the church said we're not doing that. Yeah, you know, doing that we think we can have individuals like you know the Baptists and Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. They split over that. Mm-hmm. I you know. Know, they split over cups. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about that because I was reformed. Mm-hmm. And over and you're in reformed theology. Uh, could you kind of tell the listeners what that's all about? Because uh, a lot of people don't even know what that's even sure. here.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time. So you know, I've done some, like I said, some studying, some reading, and I listened to uh, EWTN and that call to communion. That guy on there, he was a, a, a reformed. Calvinist yes, and,
0: and uh, Dr. Anders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. He's really good. Um, but, you know, it's all about uh, sola scripture or the Bible alone, um, faith alone, no works, you know, and you see that in um, there's good people and they all do good things. But in Catholicism, you know, you're you're called to ministry. You're called to do something with your faith. You know, we believe if we don't show our faith in our works, like from James, Book of James, um, you know, you got to show your faith. And um, they're just faith alone. I can't say for sure. And maybe you can help me. I can't remember. Is that once? Are they once saved, always saved in the reform? Yeah.
0: They call it all. Um, yeah. Call it enduring to the end. What's it called? Yeah,
1: yeah I don't know. But
0: yeah. total depravity. Yes. Un, unlimited all. Unmerited favor?
1: Yes. Limited
0: yeah. on Irresistible grace. Yes. And, and the variance of the saints.
1: Yes. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. You're better than me. You know, I was 20 years old when I was can you know t- changed from the Protestant. But um, you know, and those kind of things, I just can't wrap my head around it, you know. So if you if you're saved and you sin, does that mean you were never saved? Or are there some sins that are okay, so you're still saved? You know I, that doesn't even, yeah. So that those things that I just don't understand. And again, with like I said, you go in the church. There's not even a cross. Not even a cross. Mm-hmm. How does that work? How does mm-hmm. that work? It's just right? I'm not worshiping my my crucifixes, but boy, when I stand in front of Jesus on the cross. And I say, Lord, why am I suffering so much? And I look at him and I go, oh, yeah, you did that. I need to remember that. (laughs) You did that big thing. This is nothing. I just carry my cross. You carried the cross for me, you know, and just, you know, join him. I mean, my suffering is nothing compared to what he put forward for me. So, um, yeah.
0: I think because, and I don't mean this mean. I went to the Presbyterian church Mm -hmm. for three years before I entered the Catholic church. And um, really it was just a a roosting spot, like a bird on a fence Yeah, because I was so exhausted from every wave of teaching because I was in a charismatic church 14 years. And that is absolute. It was absolute chaos. Yeah. Every kind of teaching you can imagine. Yeah. And I was brought up Southern Baptist, which is kind of very vanilla. Yeah. You know, it's the unsalted. You know, you ever buy something like sodium free? That's the way it was. <laughs> I mean, it, was just, it was bland.
1: No flavor, no flavor.
0: Blandest possible religion is. Yeah. But I, I grew up, in, I mean, just so much in that, that, you know, I really believed that Jesus was a Southern Baptist. I really did. I know everybody jokes about that, but I just thought everybody else was dumb. Yeah. This is as a kid and teenager. Yeah. That's
1: then, kind of what I grew up to thinking then, thinking other people didn't know what they had yeah. heard. Right.
0: But the, yeah. that reform, you know, I started going to um I went to <clears throat> these youth retreats in college. I was in college. And went on these youth college retreats at a Presbyterian church up in the mountains every year. I went every year, like five years in a row. And they preached that uh, Reformed theology. Mm-hmm. And there's a comforting part to it. But well, let me ask you this, okay? And this is pretty sensitive. You don't even have to answer it if you don't want to. And mm-hmm. I might not should even say it. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like job vu. Okay. Now, the YouTube won't let you say some things, but you know what happened in Nashville a couple days ago, okay? From what I understand, that was a Reformed school. Yeah. Okay, which means they're teaching their kids in their Bible classes Mm -hmm. that all things that happened were willed to happen by God for his purpose. All, oh, all things. Yeah. So I was uh, riding around with uh, a Presbyterian minister. Mm-hmm. I was riding with him. I was talking to him on the phone, and I asked him because there had been a massive school s h o o t i n g. Yeah. Yeah. And a big one, and I I was just talking to him. And I know he's Presbyterian. He believes in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Article three that God wills whatsoever thing shall come to pass. He is not the author of evil. And, and I can't wrap my head around it. So I asked, mm-hmm. I called him. I said, Let me ask you something. I said, You really believe it was God's purpose, plan, and will for all those kids to get massacred? And he said, Yes, I do. It sounds bad, but I believe that was God's plan from before creation for those for that to happen that God that was God's will I said let me ask you this then okay if I was a TV reporter at, at the tragedy and you're the pastor and I walk up to you in the parking lot with the camera and ask you this same question was this God's holy precious will that he planned this mass S-H-O-O-T-I-N-G, and you know what he told me? He said, oh, man, I would not say that. Right, right. Now, I would never say that on TV, but in his heart, his image of God is all the evil coming down is from God. Man, you don't even need a devil.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I I, had, I dealt with that with my husband's death. You know, one of my sisters had said, I don't understand why God would would allow this to happen. She didn't say cause it or whatever, but you know, uh, my answer was that God is aware that it was going to happen, and um, and but we're human. We make mistakes. We do stupid things that cause death or we, we get mental illness that we harm others or we drive drunk or someone else drives drunk or whatever the cause is, whatever the reason is, you know, we're human and there's messiness, but God can use, just like I've told you, my, my, um, journey in conversion journey was so impacted by my husband's death. So, and the things that I look back, the people in my life that were there to help me with uh, one of our good friends, we lost contact with him for years, and he's a financial planner. We had just re- reacquainted with him, and said, "Hey, will you start managing money for us?" Well, there it is. This guy's right here. Well, tell me what to do. Help me with this. You know, so many, so many examples of that. Why God was looking out for me because He knew this was going to happen, and He was preparing me years before. Did He make it happen? No. Could he have changed it? Probably. But the bottom line is he can make good come out of it, even if he even if it's due to human messiness. So many things are know, human messiness. Did you hear me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of garble. Well, I think it was from the satellite again. Yeah, but, um, now
1: you were froze up too for a little bit.
0: Oh, that's a good thing. Um <laughs> wondering, you know. If you read the catechism, the one that, the what, you know, the big, new, the newer catechism, it's this big.
1: Right here, you
0: know. Do I now? Every year? Do what? What'd you say? I said I have it right here. Yeah. I I was reading it. And when I first read it, when I read the first part, it sounded so Calvinistic to me Mm -hmm. that I got on the phone and mm-hmm. called my Presbyterian pastor that mm-hmm. I was leaving. And uh, I said, have you ever read this before? The Catechism of the Catholic Church? Because he's an intelligent man. He said, no, I've never read it. I said, man, there's some stuff in here that sounds just like you talk at the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Over to God and God's mm-hmm. role and to accept hardships as a gift from him. All this stuff. I said, there's a lot of stuff. That the Cal you know the, the reformed people believe it's all over the catechism. Right. I, what they do is they make it the thing. Yeah. They yeah. make it the thing. Where the Catholic Church makes Jesus and the Eucharist the thing. Yeah. The, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, they
0: have this doc this dogma of the faith alone, scripture alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And explaining that to one of my friends. When I was going to Presbyterian Church, Presbyterian Church, he said, That's a bunch of alones together. Yeah. He was making fun of it. He said, You mean, because we called it the five amigos to help us remember it? The five, yeah. Homeless, yeah. Sola scripture, Sola gray, sola, and all that. So, yeah. Sola sounds Mexican. We did the five, five you know, the five amigos. <laughs> you know, it's just, ugh.
1: Well, you know, I think too, when you look back at some of the things, and this is from uh, Dr. Anders talked about, you know, Calvin believed in the Eucharist at at the first, you know, and when they first started their thing, they weren't so many things off. But then as time evolved, they just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And where they are now is just so far from where we are in the church. You know what I'm saying? It's just It's like an evolution, and every time someone breaks off and starts a new church, it's got a whole new, different way. Yeah,
0: it's it's, from the river, from the source.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, and and so yeah, Calvin and Luther and all them guys, you know, uh, they did start with some oppositions, and maybe it could have been handled a little better, not turned into a full blown, you know, protest. I call them the protesters, but you know but it is what it is now. We just have to like pray for people to come back, especially those fallen Catholics, you know, I know so many people who have kids that have fallen from the church and, um, you know, get, get them kids back, you know, yeah. even the, even especially if they have the foundation and they've received the sacraments, they're still Catholic, yeah. you know, and they, they, we need to pray for the Holy spirit to call them back.
0: Yeah. Um, what's your uh, favorite thing about going to mass? The very, uh, very favorite part of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, when the priest holds up the Eucharist.
0: When does that?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh. And then I've been, get, been getting more, in, you know, depending on what church you're at, some have the option of kneeling to receive on the tongue. You know, with COVID, that kind of went all over. But uh, recently, to me, yeah, when I kneel, kneel down and receive on the tongue, it's a very powerful experience.
0: Do you like brush your tongue before church so the no. priest get offended?
1: He just uh, has to take it.
0: If, if Jesus takes it, then the priest better take it. If you drink coffee on the way to mass and stick that big brown tongue at,
1: <laughs> is what it is.
0: <laughs> my my priest calls me a lunger, a lunger.
1: Lunge at it, yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, and then, do you know who uh, Father John Paul is at EWTN? Uh,
1: not exactly. He's
0: a headed priest. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bit him good one day. I mean, I did. he put his fingers in my mouth and I bit him.
1: Well, I had recently, I was receiving that priest said, stick out your tongue, real yeah. loud. Like, oh, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually probably... 95% of the time receive Jesus on the tongue.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but I ain't getting in no line where there's a civilian handed out Jesus. Yeah. I ain't line if I can help it. Yeah. And I got in that line several months ago. I, I visited a parish, and I thought yeah. in the line with the priest or the deacon. I'll take the priest or the deacon. Yeah. The thing I look up you know, there's some civilian in a suit. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I didn't want to walk away and yeah. and I wasn't going to let the civilian put his finger in my mouth.
1: Yeah. So I, well, I did the that, Jesus of Throne. Yeah, that's right. Do it right. Yeah. Uh, well, we I have a very, very large parish and so we have a lot of people serve and I have served uh, the Eucharist um, and I, I take that job very seriously, but what what bothers me is like if I say you know the body of Christ, someone grabs it out or someone's got their hands kind of goofy, and I'm just like, you yeah. lesson, y'all need a lesson. Believe it, you know. So yeah. I, it's hard for me to serve now because I get so upset and judgy. I can't be all judgy about people. Wanting,
0: what? Wanting what are you wearing? what do you wear do you wear like a sundress or something short? No, usually, usually a dress yeah not
1: now, a sundress, but a dress a proper dress
0: let me tell you something i've seen the first time i took from all uh, the first i remember the very first time i took communion that it went from my priest yeah i uh, i went out to california and i went to mass on a sunday
1: yeah and
0: it the church was shaped octangular. The uh-huh.
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm like, where's that priest gonna be? Because I ain't gonna do no EMs, no offense. But I'm <laughs> looking, I can't even tell which way the line's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. Lines. And it was the first time and I thought I was getting in the priest line. Yeah. I looked up and there's like a six foot tall supermodel in <laughs> a in a sexy black dress taller than me blonde hair got them heels that nice looking dress on and I was like I was like uh discombobulated <laughs> I, I looked up I thought I was gonna see an African because they had a priest from Kenya uh uh-huh. big like seven foot tall African priest yeah I looked up man it was a supermodel
1: yeah
0: yeah and she's like body of Christ and so I I took communion and it was a uh, it was a tainted experience because it was the first time that I'd ever taken communion that my priest that confirmed me didn't give it to me.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, I just think that sometimes some of those girls that that serve Jesus, you know, they need to have a like a clothing inspection. Yeah. yeah. You? Well, you're
1: supposed to go to we. I mean, we have to go to training to learn it and to know, you know, what to do. And you need to verify that people are take are consuming, not taking. And that's that's a problem sometimes. Um, not in that people are taking it home or taking it for bad purposes, but they've had some people take it because they want to bring it home to a sick family member or something. That, but that's not the right way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't just come up and take one. So uh, anyway, yeah, we have to go to training and, and uh, you know, I think most people know how they should dress. But, yeah, there's there's issues. The church in the West over here in Phoenix and California, whatever, much more casual in attire. Yeah,
0: uh, so,
1: yeah much more casual.
0: Well, um, have you ever been to uh, Blessed Sacrament in Alabama where Mother Angelica opened up? Have you ever been yeah. to
1: yeah, when I had visitors to LaGrange, we would be, make a trip over there and go see it. It's so beautiful. And uh, that crucifix at the end of the Stations of the Cross, man, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. Powerful.
0: Wow. Yeah. With- yeah. You, yeah. You know, the, the crucifix we had at my home parish Yeah. was so terrifying and so grotesque. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, we they had children and and other people having nightmares about that crucifix. Wow. So they sent Jesus off (laughs) and had him toned down. Yeah. Eyes a little. Yeah. They did. They they changed him up a little bit and they put him up there. And then one, I think it was a a Sunday night during the summer. Mm -hmm. Hot, it gets in Alabama too. It gets hot here
1: Hot, uh, humid.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the Jesus uh, left arm fell off. It, oh, at it the shoulder and fell all the way down on the floor. Wow. So and the one-armed Jesus on the crucifix. <laughs> and you know who was upset about it? Huh. All the brides that were getting married in the next few weeks because they oh. had Jesus yeah. that yeah. company. They took Jesus. I was there when they took Jesus down. Wow. And I happened to be working. I was volunteering there when it, when yeah. it happened. And yeah. they took Jesus off, I think, to Chicago. Wow. There's a, an artist, a company up there that hmm. does crucifixes. I don't know. And they fixed Jesus up, and they said the heat over the years had all compromised the glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was of the statue he just fell off but i felt sorry for those brides that didn't yeah. have yeah uh, having jesus up there yeah.
1: well you know. i have the crucifix. that I was from my husband's family and it's fairly old it's it's big and both of the shoulders are broken cuz it's been around a long time mm-hmm. and recently i noticed a couple fingers are missing probably from my travel you know but i mean it's an old family from my husband's family. And like you said, I got a lot of stuff from his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents passed. I was more than happy. My hu- my husband was still living. We were more than happy to take any, anything that was Catholic. Cause a lot of, a lot of his siblings, they do practice, but a lot of the grandchildren, you know, don't. And
0: you mm-hmm. know. Isn't Long- it once you become Catholic, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but I remember once I started going to, Catholic Church regular. Mm-hmm. Then I started seeing Catholic stuff in movies and TV that I recognize. Yeah. yeah, on like, Mercy and Sacred Heart. Yeah. I, I didn't know all that stuff was Catholic. Then you start going to movies and it's like, you know, every movie's got Catholic stuff in it, just about.
1: I got this little, my daughter gave me this necklace. You see
0: it? This is a Sacred Heart.
1: Yeah. And then a lot of people comment on it, uh, but especially the chain almost looks like a little rosary, but it's, it's just it's not a rosary. It's just dots, but yeah, it's so beautiful. I love it.
0: Um, Do you know much about the sacred heart? What that means?
1: I am learning since I've got this, so I wouldn't say I know a lot about it, but, um, you know, I'm trying to be more aware of it and devoted to it. So when, since you mentioned it, I was,
0: yeah, I love it. Anything about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's one of those things, like we talked about all the traditions that you keep finding new things and um, I, yes, exactly. You're just kind of like,' okay, this means something to me and i'm I'm trying to learn more about it and grow closer to Jesus, the heart of Jesus, and the love of jesus. and um and that's one thing about adoration i I love it because uh, you know, I sit there and it's like I know that he loves me. I can see that he loves me. And I was focusing today on, on the cross, and then uh, and then uh, it was almost like he was there saying, I'm alive and I'm right here. I'm the resurrected Jesus, and, and I'm I'm with you, you know? What do
0: you do when you're sitting in there at adoration? What do I do? Do you sit, just sit and stare, or do you talk or what? What do you do?
1: Yeah, I, I start out by just putting myself saying, I'm here. You know, this is what's. if something comes to my mind, I try to say, OK, Jesus, this is and I was thinking about you a lot today because I knew I was going to talk to you afterwards. And I was like, <laughs> I go, OK, Lord, help me. Help me tell my story clearly and help me be, you know, uh, an example of uh, someone who's on the journey and uh, seeking you. And uh, yeah, and then I just say, you know, I'm struggling with this thing or I'm thinking about my friends, what's going on with her or Uh, And then sometimes I'll just go, you know, I love you, Lord, and and love me back. And I'm here for you. And, yeah, it's just more of a conversation. There were times where I would say my rosary um, in the past, but I felt like I wanted to just be present for Jesus, even though I know he loves us, you know, recognizing his mother and being speaking with his mother. I just wanted to be I just want to be with Jesus at that time. So I'll say my rosary before I go or after I go. and, and yeah, I have a, I do have a book that's about uh, adoration. It's got some prayers in it. So sometime if I'm really struggling, I'll, I'll read the prayers. Um, I've got a journal where I kind of write these little poems and say, you know, what, write a little poem to Jesus while I'm sitting there. But most of the time I'm sitting there and talking and listening, trying to listen. I need to listen
0: more. Less talk, more listening. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> by now is it? <laughs> I try to shut up when the guests come on but I can't shut my mouth up um, uh, yeah. What, which is your favorite mystery of the rosary
1: uh, oh yeah uh, the visitation and i tell you why I mean I had an amazing experience that was always my favorite just because Mary's humility being pregnant but traveling out to see Elizabeth you know and then John leaping in the womb and all of that it just means a lot so Uh, Last fall, I went to um, Israel and we went to the Church of the Visitation and it was my birthday and I had kept a special blue dress and the priest asked me if I would do the readings. No, she's. Pregnant. And he goes, yeah, it's Mary's humility to go outside and help someone else, even though she's carrying God with her, you know. And so that was a beautiful blessing for me on my birthday to to be there and to read the readings and uh, just beautiful, beautiful church. And I was wearing blue for Mary. It was, couldn't ask for more. Such a gift from God.
0: Great birthday. Do you, yeah. Do you know how they teach you to meditate? You know, when you're praying the rosary, you're supposed to be, you know, like the mystery. You're, you're supposed to, like, meditate and visualize yeah. Yeah. about what's going on. Uh, that's what I try to do anyhow. And, you know, I'm trying to think, well, what was Mary doing when the angel showed up?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just had this stupid movie in my head of her ironing. They didn't have irons, you know. What well, They probably—I don't know. They may have had the kind Grandma had. Yeah. Put yeah. Up iron. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking about her ironing clothes and watching TV. <laughs> clothes and watching TV, and boom! Here comes Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. like Gabriel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't I- know. I think that she's she's probably just walking like i wouldn't think about how the women would have to go get water or whatever you know walking she had to be by herself don't you think that she was alone and walking
0: somewhere that's what i would think well how how do you think that the virgin mary was when gabriel came to see her like how she reacted no, how old do you think she was? How young? Oh,
1: old, 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 okay. Yeah, I would think maybe 14, 15, pretty young. I That's what think. I've
0: always heard. And then yeah. she walked from where she lives all the way to Aunt Elizabeth's house. Yeah. Which, you know, Father Mark at EWTN, he told me that was like 90 miles. Really? Yeah, and then uh, I was listening to a podcast about um, the wilderness, and, and uh-huh. this uh, this wasn't a Christian podcast. Uh-huh. It was the wilderness outside of Jerusalem. Yeah, and it a death sentence if yeah. you were there alone because uh, the the guy that did the show about the wilderness, he said it was infested with lions, Asiatic lions, really, bears and wolves. So you had those three animals. Then you had those snakes. Like the asp. And he said, There's only three kinds of people that's out there in the wilderness. He said, Crazy, insane people, desperados, or a prophet. One of them three. You ain't got no normal folks out there. I'm picturing a little 14 year old girl pregnant and yeah. probably, they probably gossiping about her back home.
1: Yeah. I well, I would say I, I had heard something where, and this is with the consecration to St. Joseph, Joseph, where he would have probably escorted her, you know, because he was trying to follow God's will. Also, um, I would think that he wouldn't let her, his betrothed, go on a trip like that.
0: But yeah, so much we don't know, or so much we don't know, or yeah. something a saint will say, and you don't know for sure. You know, yeah. is it in speculating, or did? It- but it's yeah. all, it's wonderful. Yeah. Carrie, let me do something. I got I gotta go. Yeah. I, I wanna have you on again. I got something I want to talk about. I'll I'll mm. tell you later. All right. But there is uh something you brought up I'd like to hear your thoughts on some more. Sure. Enjoyed having you here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure.
0: You have a great spirit. I mean, just
1: thank you.
0: You can God. hear God. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to send you a text, and I'll put this episode on my podcast in a couple of days and send it to you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.